Welcome to Screaming on the Inside with me, Celeste. Uh, today is a bonus interview episode. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, today, I'll be speaking with the lovely Tom, who has taken some time out of his day to share his recovery experience with us. Hi, Tom. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Celeste. It's uh, lovely to be here. Thank you for asking me. Thank you. Pleasure. Um, so just to start things off, I wonder if you might be able to tell us a, a little bit uh, about yourself. Yeah, yeah, certainly. So um, I, I, I basically came into recovery. Um, I'm, I've just checked now, I'm four years, 10 months and 24 days today. Wow, wow well uh, done. Um, my recovery started um, in uh, Liberty House in Luton. Um, and I was 28 when I came into recovery. I'm 33 now. Um, I live a fairly busy lifestyle, I guess, now. I've got four children who are six and younger. Um, I always, when I share a meeting, sort of mentioned that... Um, you know, I can't, I can't drink, but I can, I can reproduce, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they keep me pretty active and, you know, I, I work from home, I work remotely and I'm, yeah, I've got just a, just a wonderful life today, um, truth be told. Oh, that sounds amazing. It really does. And um, having kids and being able to sort of have that journey with them in recovery must be really quite something. Yeah, definitely. And my oldest two, um, they were, you know they were they were here when I was still in the madness for sure. But um, <laughs> for me, for me they were too young to remember. Um, yeah. But to have you know my two youngest kind of in sobriety and being just being present today, yeah. and being with them, part of their lives is just it's one of the gifts that kind of keeps on giving every single day. Um, oh, yeah. absolutely, Amazing. absolutely, that sounds fantastic. And uh, well done on your um, say four years. Did you say four yeah, years? Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely fantastic. Well yeah, done. five in February, only a day at a time, but five in February the 25th is my sober birthday. So. Fantastic. Not a day you forget, is it? Your sober birthday, no. for sure. <laughs> no. I've got mine etched in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're quite similar ages as well. I'm in my, in my mid-30s, and um, right. I sometimes worry that I didn't do it soon enough but actually we've still got so much life ahead of us you know and all of yeah, these yeah. beautiful milestones that you talk about you know having kids and watching them grow up and, and and doing that in sobriety it really is such a gift and um yeah you should be very very proud of yourself for you know giving yourself that opportunity um, so I think a lot of people, um, I mean, you've kind of just said it yourself, a lot of people worry that a life in recovery can be quite limiting or even boring and, and feel they're missing out. Um, have you got any things that you have done or experiences that you've had since being in recovery that, you know, you wouldn't have done if it weren't for your sobriety? Um, that's a good question, to be fair. I mean, I, 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 I think by the time I kind of came into recovery, um, I wasn't someone who thought I was an alcoholic, you know, that was my poison. And yeah, you know, although I kind of had drugs throughout the kind of entire career of being in the madness, um, I always sort of say your class alcohol is being king, you know, but when I came into recovery, it wasn't myself who put me there. I was put there by kind of an intervention. So it took a little while for me to kind of get my head around the fact that I was even in this situation. Mm. Um, and it took a while for me to kind of, I guess, readjust on, on, on the outside of the, the rehab bubble. But um there's been there's been a number of things to be honest I mean it's taken a little while and you know I'm, I was cautious to begin with about wet places and so on as they sort of suggest that you are um but having come from a hospitality background um I've worked in hospitality for 10 years I drank for 10 years go gather um mm. it kind of went hand in hand that it, it really it allowed me to kind of start again you know it was, I always sort of see it was a second chance of life um mm. and 
by having an understanding that I, I was an alcoholic um, and that I had this problem and this sort of disease that centered in my mind, the, the acceptance around that, which I, I you know, I thankfully um, got quite early on, um, kind of during that period of, of the six weeks I was in rehab, the acceptance around that really kind of was a massive weight off my shoulders, mm. a massive weight off my shoulders. And it allowed me to kind of really focus on, right, this is the work that needs to be done. These are the suggestions I'm being told. Um, now I need to kind of go out and do it, you know. And since being in recovery, as I mentioned, I've had two more children um, who are just fantastic and I can be there for my older ones as well. Um, one of the big things that's kind of standing out for me in terms of what I've been able to do in sobriety, I got married in the madness to my to my wife. Um, we we met in Greece, we went back to Greece to get married, and there was a lot of people mentioning about or, or apparently talking to her, saying that you know, are you sure you want to, you sure you want to marry this guy? You know, friends of mine and friends of hers, and because my behaviour was unacceptable, I disappeared for for a few days at a time, and I was you know, it was all inclusive, and I was just permanently pissed basically. But right. a lot of people questioning that, and you know, she did thankfully go through with it and one thing I've been able to do in recovery we went back to to Greece um for a friend of ours um wedding and I managed to organize that I was to renew my vows to my wife at the same spot where we got married and we'd only been married about two or three years so it's quite you know it's quite a quick thing to do renewing your vows at that point in time but it was an opportunity that I couldn't miss and you know it was a chance for me to kind of really um you know prove to her and, and and say to her again that you know I meant what I said the first time around. Yeah. Even if I couldn't remember it. <laughs> it's but, like uh, Tom, yeah. Tom's version 2.0, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. I mean, and so much must have changed. Like you say, it's not a long, um, it's not a particularly long amount of time, those those two years, but so much must have changed. Um, you know, uh, and like you say, it is very much, I always look at my recovery almost like a rebirth, you know, and um, yeah, absolutely. And you can only really ever go through that process unless you completely surrender to your addiction and um, do the work, accept, you know, accept the advice you're given and um, basically do what you're told. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, because our way isn't working, right? So we've got to do it. (laughs) Got to do it another way. Yeah, it's really interesting. And hospitality, gosh, what what an area to work in. You know, I think I, I meet a lot of people um, with, with drug and alcohol issues who who actually work in hospitality. I wonder if a little bit of is part of the the, the lifestyle around the work. Um, so yeah, kudos kudos to you for sure. I think um, I think for myself, uh, quite similar to you actually. I think once I surrendered and, and really grasped the fact that I needed the program that was being offered to me. It was pretty quick from there. The changes were quite quick and quite profound. You know, it was almost like a a complete re-beginning. I think think for me, it's self-confidence that I have now. I'm really engaged with people around me. I think um, obviously mental health has improved hugely. I have bipolar disorder actually, and um, that was quite profoundly impacted by my drinking and drugging. And um, I'll always have bipolar, you know, but it's it's something that I don't have to sort of um, worry about managing so much because I'm just on an even keel. And um, and you know, you've got a wonderful family and you know, a wonderful marriage. And um, I think for me um, personally, it's been my job at UCAT. You know, I wouldn't be able to work here and work with other wonderful people who are also, you know, working through 
their own recovery so that's just been an absolute blessing anyway I could go on for hours <laughs> about all of these um highlights of recovery um but you know moving forward I think you know sober lifestyle is very it is becoming a cultural norm I think there's much more of a movement now towards living life sober for those who are in and out you know in or out of addiction you don't necessarily have to be an addict to want to live the low, sober lifestyle um and i think it can i think it can generate some odd reactions from you know first dates in 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 my case <laughs> uh friends strangers you know family members you know if you have have you ever had any weird or funny reactions when you've sort of had to you know told someone that you're in sobriety how, how has that sort of worked for you yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, I've, I'm kind of of an age, I guess, and especially when I kind of came into recovery, that a lot of my friends were getting married. You know, it was kind of, you know, that age group and there was marriages and there was uh, there was stag do's and, and so on and so forth. And um, like, it, depending on the circumstances, depending on who it is is asking the question, then I will either just straight, say straight out that I'm, I'm in recovery. You know, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not particularly precious about keeping it to myself because I think it can do a lot of people a lot of good um, mm. by, by knowing someone who, who's gone through that process. And um, the, but there have been occasions, and you know, this this times where the perhaps social invitations might falter a little bit um, because I think, well, he's not going to want to come anyway because he's not drinking. Right. Which you know sometimes might be the might be the case, and, and sometimes it might not be. But you know what, I, like. I always, and you know, I, I do AAs um, as a way to kind of keep my recovery going. And you know, I always share in the rooms. You know, there's nothing that's gonna, there's nothing that's gonna trump being sober today by by being put in a situation I don't want to be in. Mm. Um, and you know, my, my trump card is that I haven't picked up a drink today. I, I haven't. I'm not consumed by that madness and and the isolation from choice. That mm. for me, you know, I, I had a busy life in in the madness with two kids and a, and a wife and, and a job and so on, but. I was isolating for choice, you know, I didn't want to be immersed in that environment. And, you know, as long as everyone else was being catered for and looked after, I was quite happy on my my sofa with my my drink and Mm. couldn't give a shit about anything else to be honest. Um, So it takes a lot for me to think, you know, I'm I'm going to put myself in a position to 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 take that away from me now absolutely yeah I don't know about you Tom but like you know the invites social events um I instinctively know whether it's an invite that I should be um you know accepting or not I had one yesterday you know good friend of mine it's their uh 40th birthday they're doing a wine tour now (laughs) I am not going on a wine tour like there is nothing there for me so whereas before I, I don't know how I would have managed it before. Probably not very well. I probably would have gone and, and done the thing. But this time, I just politely said, thank you so much for the invite. It's very kind of you, but I, I don't think a wine tour is for me. Yeah. Have fun. And I got off the chat. And it was, in a, you know, had it been an event, I think, where, you, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, I still like going out it, very rarely. But, you know, I, uh, I went out the weekend. I took myself to a metal gig you know and there was booze everywhere but I could be in that wet space as we call it and not feel at risk I didn't feel that my sobriety was at risk and I also know that if if ever there was a you know if there was a time where you're feeling a little bit more vulnerable perhaps it's just knowing how to protect your sobriety and putting that first isn't it really Um, and, and like you say you know your trump card is you haven't had a drink yeah and as long as we you know get to bed and wake up the next day without having had a drink or a drug or whatever our substance or behavioral issue is 
that's the priority. Yeah, 100%. And, and a good kind of example from what I do now, I don't work in hospitality anymore, I work in IT. And, and mm. the majority of the last year, um, a particular project I've been working on has been literally in whiskey distilleries oh, in gosh. Scotland. You know, I've been going up to Scotland back and forth and, and the, the site <laughs> for the you know installation that we've been doing, is, is, they've been distilleries. I've been working, there's been bottles, there's been samples offered and so on. Oh. And I don't know whether if I was um a year or less or two years or three years into the master sobriety that i would go on those jobs you know I'd, right. just, I'd, I'd have to find a reason or you know who I, where i work now my my colleagues and my some of my superiors know my situation you know i've told them that mm. but there was an occasion when i was up at one of these distilleries um last year and i went with two colleagues who were drinking quite heavily you know and that's mm. their prerogative you know I, I i don't mind that they these two particular colleagues don't know that I'm in recovery right. I just removed myself and you know at the time I was doing a lot of zoom meetings so I'd, I'd go upstairs I've got a meeting I've got to be on I don't need to really elaborate further than that mm. you know I can I can log on to the to the meeting wherever it was in the world and for that hour hour and a half hour and 15 minutes I've got peace of mind again yeah. you know, and I can right size the situation and reassess and if I need to speak to someone from the rooms or speak to my sponsor or speak to my wife then you know I've got that as an option as well um yeah. yeah it's nice to have the toolbox as they say you know and the, and the tools that that's what yeah I use the word toolbox all the time I've got a little box you know and um and you can reach into that box and, and take out what you need at that time to help you get you through either whether it's you know that minute that hour that day uh and I think I think a lot of us in recovery have very similar things in our toolbox um so yeah I really I really like that you've used that 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 sort of word because I, I think that if you can visualize a literal toolbox and pick out the things that you need I think that that can be really really helpful um like you say meetings uh, thank goodness for zoom I mean where would we, we be without it you know it's, yeah. it's been transformative having 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 zoom uh, having you know a sponsor if you have a sponsor or a mentor friends family you know if you're an alumni member you've got asked you can reach out to you know we're part of that toolbox and it's yeah it's it's just knowing what to do and also knowing you know like you said you don't owe people an explanation you don't have to tell them every war story or every reason for you needing to tap out you know I think that's really important that you know you, do, you don't owe anyone an explanation or a, a reason for you protecting your you know your interests and your recovery um and um you know, it's um, as as we know. You know that that getting sober, um, yeah. it's just be the beginning of recovery. Um, I think you know you would know from being in in the rooms that you know we're all encouraged to sort of work by looking inwards and and work on our character defects over time. It's not an overnight process, you know. Um, I mean, you've already hit on this a little bit, but would you say there are any particular changes in your personality or the way you cope with the world? You know how maybe you could tell us a little bit more about that and how it's improved your life yeah definitely um mm. the, the sort of glaring ob glaringly obvious one for me is uh i used to have crazy anger like mm. i used to i used to go from zero to 100 very quickly and quite often for no particular reason whatsoever and and regrettably you know having young children a lot of it was stemmed from them just not doing what i wanted them to do and you know they could be a year old two you know five six they're, they're the kids at the end of the day you know and i just couldn't understand or process the fact that they are children and I, I just I'd blow up blow my top mm. you know and it, it would just it'd be crazy but 
and being in recovery and and I did sort of some outside work around my anger as in I sort of saw a counsellor specifically for that reason um and we kind of talked about it for a little while and I found myself you know in these meetings and, and a lot of the program was kind of coming through in terms of what I was talking about and I'm in a place now where I'm not going to lie I still can get angry about certain situations but I'm, I'm very quick to to check myself mm. um very quick to check myself and I, I think I can you know honestly say that I don't I don't shout like I used to. Um, if I do um, kind of go crazy for, for a particular instance and I can take a step back, I can take a breath and I can go back and apologise to my child or my children or whoever it is that I've done, you know, the, you know I've blown up, at, um, blown up at because it's generally not their fault or sometimes they just need to understand why that's made me cross or, or, or why they can't be doing a certain thing. And that's what recovery has given me. And that's, that's a kind of specific example but it was a big one for me was my anger you know it, it's allowed me to to check my actions and check my behavior and my character character defects and 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 look at my part to play as we hear in in the rooms you know it's, what's my part to play in this this situation or this scenario and the the ability and, and what recovery has given me and, and the program's given me by going through the steps it's allowed me to look at that and and really analyze you know how did i behave in that situation it's not always the other person um and yeah that that's probably the, the best example I could probably give you I think it's an amazing example to be honest I mean it captures so much of what you know of of how amazing recovery can be it's having you know first of all it's acceptance isn't it <laughs> you know Definitely. it is the answer to all of our problems today um and you know not not feeling that you have to control everything you know and being accountable for your behaviors and your reactions and being able to pause take a step back and then apologize where apologies is due and um, I'm doing my step four at the moment so I know all about um, you know looking at your part to play in a situation it's so funny you go into a resentment you know you're like oh god it's like well yeah they might have done 10 things that were upsetting or you know but I still had a part to play in that and it's just letting that go. I think, I think I'm quite similar to you before I came into recovery. I was a very angry person. I was holding on to so much and, um, you know, recovery has really allowed me to, um, be in the moment, be grateful. Gratitude is a huge, huge part of, um, of my journey. And, um, yeah, I really, I really relate as we say that don't we? A lot of, a lot of relate there, a lot of, Um, but yeah I really do and I I think uh, again you know you're talking about having kids you know having your two two younger kids you know for them to have a a dad that that can be accountable for for his behaviors and and uh, sort of anger management I mean I don't know how I would cope with one child let alone (laughs) (laughs) multiple (laughs) children oh gosh no thank you um but yeah it's it's amazing it really is um I think for me also um when I was in the midst of my addiction I was very isolated I think you said earlier that you know you choose to isolate yourself sometimes but that's as a benefit you know it's a good thing to do sometimes to take yourself away from certain situations whereas you know I don't know about you but I was really really isolated emotionally and physically um throughout the worst of of my addiction um on that topic I did want to if I may bring bring our listeners to the attention of a campaign 
um, that um, Mind and Rethink Illness uh, are, are running. It's called Time to Talk. Uh, the day for this is the 3rd of February. And um, it's run every year. And the day is about creating supportive communities by having conversations with friends, family or colleagues about mental health. Uh, as we know, we all have mental health. And by talking about it, we can support ourselves and others. It's particularly important in recovery, I think, to have these conversations. Um, so all of you out there listening, have a think about how you can have a conversation about mental health in your communities, whether it be with your friends, your families, within your recovery community, and get talking. Um, we'll have some more information in our newsletter about how you can uh, perhaps partake with this and, um, and follow the campaign. Um, on that topic, uh, Tom, have you sort of found that you've been able to open up about your mental health and your addiction throughout your recovery? Um, you know, where have you been able to do that and how has it helped you? Yeah, and no, definitely, I, I think for me, I mean, the, the start of that kind of whole process for me and, and you know, I, as I say, I do AA and, and the rooms for me are a vital, vital part of my recovery. They are, yeah, I've always done four meetings a week minimum um unless there's been other commitments but I still today do four meetings a week um because it's an outlet for me you know and, and that started with Liberty House and the just the sheer kind of um kind of ease that I had from being in there with other people with like-minded thinking um and the, and the group work and the group sessions that we did I think luckily for me quite quickly I realized you know, this is a this is a safe space to share this stuff you know and and doing the meetings that I do now you know I went to to a men's meeting for the first time uh, the other day. So I, I just do whatever meeting in my local area, but I went to a men's meeting and it still today blows me away at how honest people are in the rooms. You know, they can be sharing stuff that, you know, for me might be on my step four, for example, and they're sharing it openly in a meeting um, because there's something inside them. They've been around the rooms long enough or it's, they've taken on board a suggestion that by getting it out and sharing it, it kind of takes the power out of what you're keeping inside. Um, and a lot of it is mental health, you know, and I particularly use drink to kind of numb the pain or, or to kind of get over a fear or, or to, to to change the way I felt. But remove the drink, I'm left with myself. And by having the rooms and an outlet to share stuff that I just don't understand, that I'm scared of and fearful of or, or is confusing me, um, it's something that's irreplaceable, um, you mm. know, and... More often than not, and, and again, the kind of reassuring factor is that I could share something that I think only I've ever done, or I, it's only me who thinks this way, you know, and then all of a sudden three or four people are sharing back and someone's talking to me after the meeting. And I'm like, as if, like, it's not just me. I'm not I'm not special and different, but there's actually people <laughs> out there who are willing to help and to learn and to listen. It's that, it, I'm a massive advocate for the meetings, you know. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. It's such a wonderful space, isn't it, to, I mean, I, I always say, you know, I found my people yeah. um, in the rooms, and it doesn't matter what the substance is or who they are, where they come from, you know, you sit in a meeting and, you know, there might be a, you know, middle-aged straight man is sitting at the front of the meeting and I'm like well what are they going to have to say that I'm going to relate to and then they start talking and it's like oh my god <laughs> yeah. you know who would have thought if you put us next to each other in a room there's no way you'd think we would have so much in common but yeah. it can be you know any number of things it can be our war stories it can be you know our upbringing I find upbringing is often you know quite a big thing where you're like well you were brought up in a similar way to me we both had alcoholic parents or it is just fascinating 
fascinating and it's it, it's it's you know very much what they say is you know you, you can take away so much of the, the similarities yes there are differences but there are always similarities and um, for me I always find it really powerful when I see people who in society might usually be quite reluctant to talk about their feelings you know so men you know men are a a big risk of suicide and and and, um, mental health problems because they don't talk and uh, I I love the rooms for that I I love that, that it's a safe space for everybody to say what they want and it doesn't matter what you hear like and nothing shocks me anymore, you know, no, it's, yeah, it, it's, and, and yeah, and I think, you know, for anyone who is, you know, um, maybe a bit, not reluctant, but, you know, hasn't really caught onto the program or has, you know, misgivings or, or, you know, a lot of people can be put off the program. I would just encourage you to go with an open mind, sit back, relax and listen um and take it from there and I love the fact that you're still you know you're still doing four meetings a week um that that's really good and again it's there's you know you can, yes you can become quite comfortable in your recovery but I think there's a big difference between being comfortable and complacent um and um yeah you know, I, I yeah sorry Tom please go no I was just gonna say I mean the, the, you know I'm my circumstance I guess is, is probably I'm lucky that my wife allows me to do the full meeting. She knows that. And she also knows that, you know, AA comes first before her and the kids, because without AA or without recovery, rather, I don't have them anyway. Mm. Um, you know, and I, I do full meetings a week because it, it's, it's my comfort zone. And what I was going to say is that, you know, in my time of being in, in recovery and in fellowship, the people that I've seen who have relapsed are those who have stopped coming to meetings. And, and a, a prime example is my first sponsor. You know, he was he was 18 months in the rooms and I was just coming about and, you know, we, we were kind of going through the steps and so on. And then something happened. He stopped coming to meetings. He dropped off. He he ultimately relapsed and he's now no longer with us mm. as a result of not being able to come back into the rooms. Or And, and I don't, you know, I'm not going to uh, say this was a reason or that was a reason, but I know he stopped going to meetings. Um, mm. And that, to be honest, scares the shit out of me. Yeah. It absolutely scares the shit out of me because... I've seen it too many times. That's one example. There's plenty of people around you. They, they say about mm. getting a getting a good black suit because you'll have to wear it. Mm. Um, I don't want to be that person, you know. Mm. And I'm I'm comfortable for. And there are times where maybe if I go on holiday, I might seek out a meeting. But I'm there to spend time with family or, or otherwise. But it's knowing it's there. And, and like you said, I think it's willingness. It's willingness yeah. and an action. And I quite often share to get my bum on a seat for an hour or an hour and a half to trade the other th- 23 hours outside of the meeting. Yeah fair swap you know I'll take that yeah I mean uh, wow that's really powerful I mean you, you're no use to anyone if you're back out there or what even worse you know yeah. and, and and you know it can be a difference between life and death and I know it sounds like a bit hyperbolic but actually it's that's the truth you know I always think about you know myself is if I went back out there yeah I might not I might last another few years but the ending is inevitable you know um and like you say I'd rather prioritize meetings and say to my partner you know I'm not around on this night or I'm doing this that and the other for my recovery because if I'm in recovery and I'm well then I am a valuable person for you to have in your life I'm nice to be around I'm pleasant to be around I'm you know participating and and I'm able to be there for my friends and and my family so I think yeah absolutely and uh, again we should never apologize you know for putting that first um 
and you know I'm, I'm glad we're talking about the 12-step program I mean I just to be clear we we, um, we don't advocate one program over another um, you know we do have other options for people coming into treatment but we do find that a lot of people find that the 12-step program so AA, NA, CA you know they work really well for people um, do, would you have any sort of specific advice for anyone who is perhaps curious but reluctant you know did you I mean I think you said earlier you got it pretty much straight away but how has how has that AA experience been for you perhaps you could tell us particularly about the early days maybe your first year what that was like yeah so um yeah I took on board the suggestions from the counsellor who I was assigned to I guess in in rehab and he was someone who was in in the fellowship he was in CA um but as I said, like alcohol was king and it, that's what brought me to my knees. So I was actively seeking out the meetings around my local area. And I remember I got discharged from um, Liberty House on a Friday and with all this kind of suggestions on board and, and very much at the forefront of my mind, I went to a meeting that night um, and I sat there and I didn't really know what to make of it. I'm kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm fresh meat kind of thing, like, you know, <laughs> wide-eyed and, and so on. But um I distinctly remember that with having lost my job through being suspended from drinking on shift, I had a period of time, it, was, it ended up being roughly about a month, that I had no work commitment. So I was I was fully just invested in throwing myself into these programmes, you know, and it was the second meeting that I went to. Um, I didn't go on the Saturday, I went on the Sunday, and it was at the second meeting that I, I bumped into to three like, other men who were in my early days and for the first year, um, were instrumental in, in keeping me coming back, you know, and they would say about it's the newcomers, the most important person in the room, you know, and these three guys will gave me their phone numbers. Um, one of them I still see regularly today. The other mm-hmm. one was my sponsor who, who ended up, you know, relapsing and leaving, leaving us. And another one I know still does the rooms, you know, but they were people who reached out to me and were of, um, you know, some of them were a few months ahead of me. Some of them were a bit longer, but they, they knew the message that was passed on to them was to help the newcomers. And, my advice, I guess, and my suggestion, sorry, my suggestion would be to just, um, if you're curious, go to a meeting, but don't take that particular meeting as the, the precedence for every meeting that's available in your area, because there's there's all sorts for every single person. You know, I go to, I can take a home group, for example, and, and some weeks it's, well, like, it's not it's not the best meeting. It's, you know, it might be, whatever, for whatever reason, maybe I'm off kilter a little bit, but the next week it could be the best meeting under the sun. You know, and that's that would be my suggestion. Don't take one example of going to a meeting as um, as a representation of the entire program. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I, I kept going to meetings. I, I got familiar. I started to see faces that I knew from from elsewhere. Um, I, I I didn't drive. I still don't drive. So I was a little bit reliant on people um, very kindly offering me lifts. By doing that, I was talking to people. Um, I, I got to know them a little bit better. Um, and it was the sense of familiarity, very much like it was like it was in um, Liberty House. It was the familiar. It was the same people, same faces, sharing their story, sharing the message, and there was a um, you know camaraderie that went with it, um, which again was instrumental. You know, it's the feeling of not being alone, um, which was yeah, hundred percent the foundation to to making me feel comfortable in my local area. I live in Surrey my local area to feel like you know what I can do this and mm. you know over time that network's grown I've met people from from all kinds of fellowships and all walks of life that put me out there in a normal situation in the normal world I'd never have bumped into but mm. today I am and you know I call a friend so yeah 
That's fantastic. Yeah, I uh, I had a very, very similar experience to you and I've made some wonderful, wonderful friends in the rooms. And like we were saying earlier, they're not people that you'd necessarily put me with, but yeah. they've just become, you know, so important in my life. And um, I really value their their friendship and their persistence in um, getting yeah, yeah. to come back. And actually, I might take your advice. It's really funny you brought up the sort of inconsistencies with meetings because my home group uh, is usually absolutely fantastic. And I, I hadn't been for a little while because um, I was settling into my new job. I was doing some Zooms instead and I went back to my home group meeting. It's in Soho in London. And um, and I just wasn't feeling it. Yeah. I just wasn't, you know, and I thought, oh God, what's wrong with it? What's wrong? It was me. I was just having an off day and I went back the week after and it was great, you know, and, every, and you know, everything clicked again. So you can have bad meetings, you know, but just persevere um and you know I was like it when people say you know if you don't want to go to a meeting that means you need to go to a meeting yeah, keep yeah. going until you want to go you know no one said it was going to be easy um you, you know but it is absolutely worth it and um yeah thank you so much for your insight um Tom I think as I've said I do like to reiterate that you know everyone should have agency over their recovery and over their journey and what you know what works for some people might not work uh, for others um but you know I am in the rooms myself and it saved my life and and it continues to work uh, for me as, as as long as I continue to work it but it doesn't really matter at the end of the day whatever program you have as long as you do the work you know don't pick up that drink or substance then you know take what works for you and leave the rest and, and I think you know we say it again and again but that's basically the bottom line um Tom it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today um I wonder if there was, um, I think you've given us so much to think about already, but have you got sort of a, a mantra or the one thing that you keep close to your heart in recovery? What's the one thing that you sort of live by now on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's probably a couple of things. I mean, one of the early things that I held on to when I was, when I was fresh um, and I've heard a thousand times since is to just keep it in the day. You know, it's, it's very, you hear it everywhere in, in the rooms, just keep it in a day. And, you know, when I heard it, I was like, what, what the hell do you mean? You know, but it has helped me even today. You know, if I like, if I've been for like a job interview or something, which I had recently, or I've done something, if I just keep it in that moment, not even necessarily the day, just in that moment and let, you know, things are going to work out how they're going to work out. As long as I'm doing the next right thing, then, you know, I've given myself the best chance and, in terms of a mantra, I don't know, it's a bit cheesy as well, but and, and applicable to not even just AA, but just recovery. But it kind of goes in terms of an AA perspective. If I put AA first in my life, everything I put second becomes first class. Um, and that has been true a hundred times over, a um, hundred times over for me. You know, I've come from a place that I was 24-7 drinking. The wife and kids left me. I lost my job. Um, and I was 28 and I was in fucking rehab. That wasn't the, that wasn't the life plan for me. Um it's, it's stark contrast to what I've got today. I'm, I'm 33. I've got a roof over my head. I've got my wife and four children. I've got a job that I love, and I, I go to meetings regularly and I do what's suggested. You know, mm. I put in the action. And the yeah. most rewarding thing that I've done recently um, in terms of my recovery is I'm where I live in particular. I've recently started a meeting on a Sunday morning. Um, it's a new meeting to AA, and it was you know started in September, and it's been one of the most rewarding things for me that I've been able to do. And to, to kind of add to that, what I didn't expect when I started the meeting um, was that a local rehab um, close to me, their clients are coming to the meeting. 
Uh, as a result, you know, it's close to, to where they're based and they got into contact with me and said, you know, would, would you mind? Um, the, the particular meetings uh, an open meeting, so we have people with alcohol problems or, or addiction or, or eating disorders. Um, and to me, it's just a safe space, you know, it's a safe space that they can come. The, the, the um, addiction that centres in the mind is a commonality and there's, there's an there's a, there's a ease and comfort that comes from sitting in a room around people who talk and think in a similar way. And that to me has been the most rewarding thing um, that I've been able to do in my short time in recovery, you know, and it's, uh, I fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's, it's giving back. It's giving back, isn't it? You know, it's the only way we help ourselves by helping another alcoholic or addict. And yeah. uh, we don't do it for, you know, just so we can get a gold medal. I, think, no, I don't know about you. Cool. I do it because I would want that myself. I needed that myself. And, and it's, um, it is, it's just so, so wonderful to be able to give that back. And I think it's amazing that you've, um, you, you've got that, you know, um, connection now with, with being able to help other people um, coming in, coming into the rooms. Well done, Thomas. Fantastic. Uh, thank you. <laughs> It's just been a bit of a whirlwind, really. I know, like, you know, four, four and a bit years, but I've, I've just done what was suggested. I think a big part was me being made to feel comfortable um, when I was in Liberty House and, and my counsellor helped me do that and, and the other people there um, who are alongside me. But um, I think it has to come from within, you know, recovery, whatever means you use to kind of get sober or, or stay off your addiction, it has to kind of start with you um, and then the benefits will just come back to you. Yeah. brilliant no couldn't agree more tom and thank you so so much for your time with us today um i think there's going to be a lot here for our uh, wonderful listeners to take take from um what you've said um and you know if i may um come back to you on sort of a simple mantra I've got a, i got a, a couple that i kind of keep in my mind uh first one is uh, keep it simple keep it in the day um I think uh, most people try and, uh, you know, stick to that. And, and it really is important to appreciate that, you know, somebody once said to me, if you've got one hand holding on to the future and one arm like in the past trying to hold on to that, you've got nothing left to grab the present with, you know, nice. you know, and I, I really I love that analogy. And it really makes me think that, you know, we've got to, you know, make the most of what we have in front of us. And also um, this might help someone um, is, you know, don't do other people's thing, uh, what other people think of you is none of your business, right? Don't do other people's thinking for them. You do you and let other people do themselves because chances are they don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, it's this, this whole thing of like the whole world revolves around us. Right. Yeah. It really doesn't. <laughs> Sorry, but it doesn't. <laughs> um, but on, on that, thanks again, um, Tom. Um, hopefully we'll be able to uh, catch up again some point in the future. And yeah. uh, you can let us know how you're getting on. Um, so um, you've been listening to Screaming on the Inside with me, Celeste, before I go. Um, when I think about the subject of opening up about mental health, as we've been discussing today, uh, a word that comes to mind uh, for me is that of vulnerability. I'd like to finish with a quote uh, from the wonderful Brene Brown and leave it with you to think about. Loving ourselves through the process of owning our story is the bravest thing we will ever do.
Uh, so there you go that's my little tidbit for today um, so um, everyone take care out there and remember if you ne- uh, do need support with addiction you can find lots of information and contact points for us at ucat.co.uk that's ukat.co.uk you can also follow our facebook page um, by searching for ucat ukat in facebook uh, take care everybody and lee and i will be back with another podcast in february thank you